All right, we continue with our study on the book of Genesis. And we are discussing the life of Jacob. We've been discussing that blessings really first come from God. They are accepted by faith. And that faith is demonstrated in your obedience. If you don't obey, you cannot really experience the blessing of God. We have also discussed that the grace of God transforms. God uses his word and uses his Holy Spirit. And he uses people. And he uses circumstances. And he uses time. For what purpose? To mold you, to transform you to Christ-likeness. All of these God will use. God may use impertinent people. God may use negative circumstances. God may take a short time. But if we don't learn our lesson fast enough, he may extend the time. But the purpose of God in all of these things added together is to transform us to Christ-likeness. We also discussed that true blessing really comes from claiming God's promises, doing things God's way, and leaving things to God's time that will result in you and I getting God's best. Many times, especially in the Philippines, God, where is my GB? You know what's GB? Where's my God's best? And then God will say, wait. God, I'm having another birthday. I still no God's best. Right? So then, you begin to what? You begin to settle. Settle for what? Settle for whatever na lang. Because the clock is ticking. So we shared with you last week this chart that when expectation does not match experience, the gap is your disappointment. You expect one thing, the reality is another, the gap is your disappointment. And when you encounter disappointment, if you are not careful to look to God, to trust God that he's doing something, even if you don't see it, then it could turn to deadly compromise. And I shared with you last week and the previous weeks that in Genesis 31, God told Jacob, I'm the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar where you made a vow to me. Now arise, leave this land, and return to the land of your birth. So God told Jacob to go back to the land of his birth. So, as we shared with you, he went through so much stuff with Laban and everything, 30 years all in all, more or less. And then he told his brother Esau, okay, I'll meet up with you at Seir. But then he takes a detour and he goes to Shechem. Because he compromised, he did not live up to his word, what happened in Shechem was, his daughter, Dina, got raped. 
And his men, his children, his boys decided to take revenge. They deceived Shechem and said, The only way that you will be able to marry our sister is if you and all the men of your tribe have themselves circumcised to be like us. And because Shechem was so in love with Dina, he was able to convince the entire clan to be circumcised. They began to rationalize. You know, if we do this one thing, we can marry their women, and their men can, women, can marry our women, and their livestock can be our livestock. We can do business. We will grow. Good idea. Why not? So the men of Shechem had themselves circumcised, and in their weakness, you know when you have surgery, you, you can't recover right away, right? In their weakness, Jacob's sons killed all the men of Shechem. And the news got to Jacob. And he said to his sons, what you have done have made me odious, have made me a stench to all of these people. They are going to hound us. They are going to run after us. They are going to kill us. But what is done is done because they compromised. This morning, we go to Genesis chapter 35. And I've entitled our message this morning, A Story of Threes. In Philippine culture, folklore, or you might even say uh, superstition. Ay, tatlo yan. Right? There's a plane crash. Oh, it's three, three. Yes? You have a car accident. Oh, oh three. They say it always happens in threes. But we're not talking about superstition, okay? We're looking about what the Bible has to say. And it just happens to be in the book of Genesis, chapter 35, you have three. What are these three? Three commands to follow, three encounters with God, and three funerals to attend. Before we continue, let's give praise and honor to the one who wrote his word to us. God Almighty, we thank you for your word. Your word is always there, Lord, that we can rely on it. It is the standard by which we should live out our lives, lives of integrity, never compromising, never giving in to the world and all its attractions and temptations. God, will you use your humble servant this morning to deliver your word with power, without apology, because this is your word, Lord, and your word is truth. May your word be received in our hearts, and may we obey as we depend upon your Holy Spirit to empower us. We commit to you this time, Lord God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three commands to follow, three encounters with God, and three funerals to attend. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. 
first, then God. How many? Three. Number one. God said to Jacob, this is the same Jacob who did all of this nasty stuff. He deceived his brother, right? He deceived Laban, his father-in-law too. Now, unlike us human beings, we give up on people. I give you a chance. I give you another chance. I give you an, oh, nothing's going to happen. I give up. God doesn't give up on us. God's grace is constant. God's love is constant. So despite everything that Jacob had continued to do, you remember he prayed? In desperation, he prayed, Oh, God! Blah, 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 blah. Amen! Okay, this is what I'm going to do, okay? This, this. He prayed to God, but he never listened to God. He prayed to God, but he still did it his way. Until what happened? He had an encounter with God. He wrestled with God, and he prevailed. And then Esau, his brother, was going to him. And because of his personal encounter with God, he humbled himself. He walked towards his brother Esau, bowing down to him seven times. God is not yet done with us. People who may have hurt you, people who may have deceived you, they are not beyond the reach of the grace of God. Don't give up on people because God has not given up on you. God has not given up on me. God still spoke to Jacob. And he's telling Jacob, go up, go back. Why? You promised, you made a vow to me. So go up, arise, and go back. Go back to that place from where you fled from your brother Esau. His first encounter with God. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. First command. Put away the foreign gods. Now because of Esau's encounter with God, he has the, the spiritual authority to tell his tribe, to tell his family, remove the foreign gods. Put away the foreign gods. He now has moral and spiritual ascendancy over his own family. Where compared to before, you will not see this because he was a schemer. He was a deceiver. He was a grabber. First command, put away the foreign gods. But wait, where did the foreign gods actually come from anyway? Why did he have foreign gods with him as they were traveling? Well, Genesis 31 says, When Laban had gone to shear his flock, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. So who had these foreign gods? Who had these idols with them? Rachel, the, the daughter of Laban, who was one of Jacob's wives. Does God know? Does God know everything? Yes. He knows everything. He knows what you and I hide. He knows what you and I have in our back pocket. Nothing escapes God. So he tells them, put away the foreign gods. Why? What's it about? 
Deuteronomy 5 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or, of, or any likeness of what is seen in heaven above or on the earth or beneath the earth or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children and the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. What is coming in between you and your relationship with God? That is your idol. Could be your church. Could be your car. Could be your cell phone. Could be work. Could be ministry. Could be your spouse. It could be your child. It could be your boyfriend. Could be your girlfriend. Anything and everything that comes in between you and God is an idol. And God is telling you, God is telling us this morning, Put it aside. Take it away. Destroy it. Why? Because God is a jealous God. He's not jealous of you. He is jealous for you. See the difference? If I'm jealous for my wife, that means that I would like to protect her. If I'm jealous of my wife, it means that I don't like her to mature in her walk. I don't like her to bloom as a woman. You see the difference? Jealous, God is jealous for us. He wants to protect us. So he says, put away those idols. Friends, I don't know what your idol is. But I guarantee you, God knows. And sooner or later, he will purge you. Because he wants you to put away those idols. First command to follow, put out, put away those idols. June is looking at me. He's thinking I'm going to say, golf is your idol. <laughs> See, June, I did not tell you that golf could be your idol. I just did. <laughs> Genesis 35 verse 2. So Jacob said to his household, to all who were with them, put away the foreign gods which are among you, and what? Purify yourselves. Second command to follow. Purify yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. Set yourselves apart. All right? Now, when you come to faith in Christ, guess what? Not only are all of your sins forgiven in God's sight, and because of his declaration, because of Jesus Christ in you, you are holy. Now, you may look at the mirror and not see a holy person. But God himself declares you to be holy. Okay? Now, he says, purify yourselves. Now, if God is already telling me that I am holy positionally, because of Christ, by position, because of the presence of Jesus Christ in me, God looks at me as holy, set apart. But what is he telling us to do? But like the Holy One who called you, be holy 
yourselves also in some. What? In all your behavior. Why? Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If a Christian is supposed to reflect Christ, is Christ holy? So you are to walk in holiness. Yes. Does that include Monday? Tuesday? Wednesday? Thursday? Friday? Saturday? Sunday? Yes. Many of us are holy on Sundays. From Monday through Saturday, the spelling changes. H-O-L-E-Y. Butas-butas. Holy. Many holes. God says, purify ourselves. We must walk in holiness. Are we going to be perfect about it? With the power of the Holy Spirit, it is possible. But we have to first, what? Remove the idols in our lives. Because there is but one God. And that God is a jealous God. Second command, he says, purify yourselves. Walk in holiness. Walk in newness of life. Be holy in all your behavior. Because the one who called us is holy, therefore you and I must also walk in holiness. Now, I don't know if the women will like this next verse, but I have an idea they will. It says, change your garments. Yes! I can go shopping because the Bible says to change your garments. No. To change the garments is symbolic. The garments are on the outside. Yes? What the Bible is telling us, that the inward change that Jesus Christ has wrought in your life must also be evident in your external life. The young people are going to study the book of Ephesians. So this is a little advance. From the NIV, look at what the Bible says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Do you wear the same clothes when you go to sleep? Do you wear the same sleeping clothes you go to work? You change, we change our garments Depending on the occasion. Right? So you don't go to work in your pajamas. Unless you are like Ike who works from home. When you're going to work, you have to change. Why? You have to your business attire. And then when you come home, you don't sleep in your suit. You change to your pajamas. Right? You have to change your garments. The Bible is telling us in Ephesians... A somewhat different story. He says, when you come to faith in Christ, in Christ, Paul says, 
put off. Permanently. Once and for all, put off the old self. That self has been crucified with Christ. That self should no longer be living. And once you put off the old self, Paul is telling us, put on the new self. Again, the connotation is when you put that on, it is for permanency. You don't put off the old self because it's Sunday and put on the new self because it's Sunday. And when you go home, you put off the new self because you're going to wear the old self because you're going to work. That's not how it works. The Bible is telling us once and for all, change your garments. Put off the old self, put on the new self permanently. Once and for all. But let me ask you, if you are going to be honest with me. Are there things of your old nature that continue to persist and coming up time and time again and you can't seem to get rid of it? Yes or no? That thing, that sin, okay? Perhaps that is your bondage that you are not aware of. Anger, bitterness. Maybe you were involved in some illicit activity before. Maybe you're an addict. But you came to faith in Christ. And in God's eyes, you are new. Amen? In God's eyes, your sins have been forgiven. Amen? But there's something that you just can't kick. It keeps coming back time and time again. You'll be victorious maybe a day, maybe even a week. But all of a sudden, it creeps back. That's why, my friends, on April 23, at 9.30 a.m. right here, We'll probably take from 9.30 to 12. We're going to conduct a seminar. This seminar is really part of the weekend encounter that we do. But for lack of time, we decided to take it out. This April 23, we're going to do it here, 9.30 to 12. We're going to do what is called the bondage breaker. We'll give you a talk. We'll give you the scripture that is the basis for all of that. And then we will go to a, through a time of cleansing, prayer, and asking God to forgive us and help us to get rid of these idols that have had strongholds in our life. Is that okay? I hope I'm not the only one who comes here. So, we have a list there with Sister Tessa. Write down your name so that we know how much material to prepare. If you sense that there is something in your life that needs to be purged, that needs to be addressed, that needs to be removed, be here. April 23, Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Why? Three commands. First, put out the idols. Second, purify yourself. Third, change your garments. There is no power 
greater than that of God's. So we need God to help us. We need God's help to remove those strongholds, the influence of the devil from your past life. Because if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All right? Let's continue. So Jacob says, Let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me wherever I have gone. You see, Jacob now realizes, Hey, God has been with me all this time. You see, in the past, have you been with us? Oh, it's the God of Abraham. It's the God of uh, Isaac. Your God. It's never been my God. But after the encounter, he realizes that God was with him every single step of the way. So what did they do? So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had and the rings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Now the word hid them is really he buried them. Do you see that now Jacob has the moral ascendancy over his people? When he said, this is what we're going to do. What did they do? They followed. Because now, he had the spiritual and moral authority over the people. They began to see that Jacob is a changed man. As they journeyed there, there was a great terror upon the cities which were around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. Remember, there were men whom the sons of Jacob killed, And Jacob said, they're going to run after us. They're going to pursue us because you did this to them. Because you killed their men. But what did God do? Did you see? As they were obeying God. Very important. As they were obeying God, journeying towards the place that God told them to go, what happened? There was a great terror upon the cities. God protected them. Even if Jacob treated people and treated God prior, God still protects him. God still protected them. That, my friends, is still the grace of God. He put a terror around the people that they did not pursue Jacob and his sons. Because they were going about obeying God. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. He and all the people who were with him. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel. Because there God had revealed himself to him where he fled from his brother. So did Jacob obey God? Did Jacob go to the place that God told him to go? Where he first encountered God? You remember, he was traveling to Laban. He only had a rock as his pillow. And there he saw a vision from God. And he named that place Bethel. Right? So he went back to that place that God had told him to go. God protected them. They were not pursued by their enemies. First funeral. Now now Deborah... Rebecca's nurse. Nurse pala. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. And she was buried below Bethel under the oak. It was named Alion Bakuth. 
Now, why is it important? I highlighted for you in yellow, Rebecca. Who is Rebecca? Rebecca is the wife of Isaac, the mother of Jacob. This is the same mother who told her very own son, Don't worry. Don't worry if we deceive your father. I will take the curse for you. Do you remember that? Now let me ask you, from that time, is there any other mention of Rebecca? None. The only other mention of Rebecca is what? She's dead. She only happens to be part of the conversation because the nurse, Deborah, has also died. There is practically no more mention of Rebecca. Now, some of us who grew up with nannies, with yayas, right? Sometimes when they pass away, we wail sometimes more than our parents. Because usually these are the nannies who raised us, right? Whoever you call your nanny. First funeral. My friends, when you and I follow the Lord, it doesn't mean that we will escape pain. It doesn't mean that we will escape sorrow. She was buried. Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died. Second encounter. Then God. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram and he blessed him. God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. This was the promise that God gave to Abraham. Yes? And then, when Abraham died, it was God who blessed Isaac with the same promise. Now, who is the recipient of this promise? Jacob. But it only came after Jacob had a personal encounter with God. The blessing that God gave to Abraham was passed to Isaac and is now passed to Jacob. You see, God and an encounter with God changes people. In the Bible, you will notice that many times they change names. From Jacob, grabber, to Israel, prince. From running away from God, he began to run. He ran back to face his problem. From taking away, he now gives. From being oh, God of Abraham, oh, God of Isaac, God is now my God. El Elohi Israel. God is the God of Jacob. And God changed his name from Jacob to Israel, from supplanter to prince. God will change you. 
God, if you are in God, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Change the garments. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Because in Christ, you are a new creation. Then God. How many then God already? Three. How many commands did we see already? Three. So how many funerals are left? Two. I hope it's not my funeral. <laughs> then God went up from him in a place where he had spoken to him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place we had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him, Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and they were still some distance to go to Ephrath. Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she saw that she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear. For now, you have another son. It came about as her soul was departing, for she died, that she named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. Same situation, a mother in labor. You have two responses. The midwife said, your son, at least you have a son. She wanted to name her own son Ben-Oni, which means son of sorrow. But Jacob, being the God-fearing man that he now is, said his name will not be son of sorrow. His name will not be Ben-Oni. His name shall be called Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Same situation. How will you respond? When God changes you, you get to see the different perspectives of the same situation. I hope you and I respond in the godly way. I can choose to say, Ay, because of you, I lost my wife. Or I can choose to say, God has blessed me with a son of my right hand. It's really up to you how you will look at the situation. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, which is what? Bethlehem. See, we're now seeing a lot of New Testament stuff, right? Oh, Bethlehem. Why is Bethlehem mentioned? Oh, Bethlehem is mentioned in the New Testament because where was Jesus born? In Bethlehem. You see all of these interconnections? Who was the first that died? Deborah, the nurse of Rebecca. Who is the second person that died? Rachel. See? God can take away the people whom we love. Don't invest too much. Because if that relationship is not good for you, 
especially single people. I don't know what God can do. I don't know what God will do if it's not good for you. People will die. We will die. So let us invest in God in eternity. Let's love the people whom God brings into our lives. But let us not forget our first love should be God. Rachel died. What did he do? So Jacob set up a pillar over her grave. That is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched on his tent beyond the Tower of Eder. God told him to go back. Yes? He was obeying God. Yes? In the process of obeying God, two people die. Okay, I don't like anymore. If this is what it means to obey God, I lose the people that I love. Never mind. I give up. I thought, God, you love me. If you love me, why did you take these people away from me? What kind of God are you? Is that possible? I showed you last week the video of three-year-old Katie, whom God decided to take away from her parents. If they gave up, the whole, well, not really the whole world, but a lot of people are looking at them, seeing how they will respond. If they gave up, what happened? Oh, you see? That's the kind of God that you worship? Huh. It's better I have my own thing over here than your God who allows three-year-old children to suffer all of that and just, just to die. It's a possibility. If you don't cling to God, you might release God and let go. Jacob wrestled with God the whole night. And he said God, to God, I will not let you go until you bless me. Cling to God. God is the only person worth clinging on to. Cling to God. Don't give up. Don't give up on people. It came about while Israel was dwelling in the land that Reuben, his firstborn son, went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now there were 12 sons of Jacob. What happened? In the midst of his own obedience, what happened to Reuben, his firstborn son? What happened? He lay with one of Jacob's concubines. Abomination. Pardon our foreigners. Karumal dumal. Imagine your own son would sleep with one of your own concubines. Okay, now, guys, again, this passage of scripture is not prescriptive. That's, it's not telling us, okay, men, you can have concubines and all of this stuff, okay? This is narrative. This is telling us this is what happened. So don't go out and say, oh, the Bible says I can have concubines because Jacob had a concubine, okay? That's not the point. The point is what his own son did is beyond imagination. It's sickening, if I may say. 
Right? His own son went into one of his own concubines. And again, he found out about it. God, I have already been faithfully obeying you. Why is this happening? My own son. Well, maybe he was not able to disciple his own children well. That's a possibility, right? Because if he discipled his family well, this would probably not have happened, right? Okay, remember I showed with you last week, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So parents, you know, it's okay to inquire. Where are you going? Who are you going out with? What are you going to do? What time are you coming back? You know, my children, if they were here, they will be nodding. Because we already have the script. Dad, can I go to, let's say, Dad, can I go to Siritos? I'm going with uh, Jonah. She's picking me up. We're leaving the house at 7.30. We're going to watch a movie. And then we're going to eat. And Jonah will bring me back home. I'll be here at 11. Oh, perfect. Check, 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 check. Okay, no problem. And 11 means 11 inside the house. Not, hello, it's 11. I'm leaving now. Where are you? Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> How will you get to your house at 11? Okay? So it's okay. Why? Because if you really love your kids, you want to protect them. There's a saying in America, is what? Tell me who your friends are, and I will tell you who you are. Right? So be careful. His very own son, his firstborn, did this very despicable act. Now what happened? What does the Bible say about Reuben? Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity, preeminent in power, uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. The name Reuben means son of my might. Jacob had Reuben when he was young, when he was strong. He was the firstborn. He was the son of preeminence, a position of power. But what happened? Bible says, not anymore. Why? I share this with you. You are free to choose. But you are not free from the consequences of your choice. And because Reuben decided to do this, what does the Bible tell of him? Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that he is not enrolled in the genealogy according to birthright. Though Judah prevailed over his brothers and from him came the leader, yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. The birthright was taken away from him. His name is no longer enrolled in the genealogy of birthright. That which was should have been for him was given to somebody else because he defiled his father's bed. 
by going into his father's concubine. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre of Kiratarba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had sojourned. He came back. Yes? And who was there? Isaac. Who is Isaac? His father. His father whom he did not see for many decades. See, God told him, go back. Isaac was still able to see Jacob. You see the plan of God? Go back. Why? Your father is still alive. You can reconnect. You can do whatever because he's still alive. So because he obeyed God, he was still able to see God. He was able to still see Isaac, his father. At the place where he had first began his journey to go to Laban. And God told him, go back. Remember he made the vow? God, if you let me return and you will bless me, you will be my God. And he gave a tenth. Yes, you remember? So did God fulfill his part of the bargain? Did he go back to Isaac richly blessed? Yes. Both in family and in stuff. Goats, herds, cattle. He had two companies. Was God faithful to his promise? Yes. Was Isaac or Jacob always faithful? No. We see God is faithful. God is faithfulness. Even if you and I become faithless, He will still remain faithful because He cannot disown who He is. God still remained faithful to Jacob. And when Jacob, now called Israel, returned, he was still able to see his dad. But then now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man ripe, ripe, of ripe age. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Family reunion. But it was a sad reunion to say the least. Because even if Jacob was able to see his father, Isaac, again, they had the honor and privilege to bury their father. Not only Isaac. I mean, not only Jacob, but Jacob and Esau. The brothers whom God reunited were able to bury their own father. God gives us people. God gives us an opportunity to love these people. But there is going to come a time that all of us are going to depart this world. And we will lose our loved ones. Even as Jacob lost his father. But he and his brother had the opportunity to bury Isaac together. If I were Isaac, I would say that that was, that was a good burial because during my lifetime I saw that this son of mine deceived me 
this other son of this other son of man promised to kill my other son and we're back to being a family i i could say i would die a good death that's why he says a man of ripe age and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. You see, friends, Oswald Chambers in his book entitled My Utmost for His Highest says this. Death has an amazing power of altering what a man desires because death profoundly affects his outlook. Death affects his outlook. All of us are going to die. Yes or no? That is the latest statistics. 100% of us are going to die. If you look at how many years you have left versus how many years you have lived, it makes us think, what am I going to do with the remaining years of my life? Will I continue to run away from God? Or will I live for God? Young people, you may not really be serious with your walk with God now because you're thinking, I'm only 13, 14, 15. I have many, many more years left. How do you know? For those of us who may be older, maybe you'll say, well, I will wait for the last two minutes. Because usually the last two minutes, those are the exciting times. But how do you know that your last two minutes have already tick, 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 tick? By the time you desire to be serious with God, for all you know, it might be too late. Now, David, described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart, was not a perfect man either. But I close with this. He said, one thing. Now, I'm sure many of us are asking God for more than one thing. But David said, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. This is his one thing. And this is what he is going to pour in his life to. This one thing. He says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek. This one thing I'm going to pursue. And what is that one thing? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. One thing. Are you pursuing God? It is, is it your one solitary purpose, drive, desire in your life? To know God and to serve God. And to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Or what are you spending your life on? I pray we follow David. 
his singular pursuit. That I may gaze upon the Lord. Dwell in his house forever. You know, heaven is not about the place. Heaven is about Jesus being there. Worshipping him. Gazing on the beauty of his holiness. And worshipping him. That's heaven. What are you spending your time on? What are you investing in? What are you running for? What are you running from? What are you spending your time, your money, and your effort on? Is it your pursuit of God? Is it your pursuit of holiness? Or is it in pursuit of some worldly desire? You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ in a personal way this morning, I have good news for you. You don't need to go far to find him. God has been looking for you for so long, you don't even know it. And if you desire to get to know God in a personal way this morning, all you need to do is to acknowledge that you're a sinner. Tell God you're turning away from your sin. Open the door of your heart and invite Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. And you're saved. Not because of the prayer, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. And if you do that, God will send his Holy Spirit to live in you. And he will change you. He will transform you. And he will even change the desires of your heart. Is that you this morning? You might be here wanting to come to faith in Jesus Christ. You may be here already have Jesus Christ in your life. But, you know, your pursuit of him has maybe gone, ar gone astray. Let's talk to the Lord this morning, shall we? Let's bow in prayer. Oh God, thank you for who you are. That despite our faithlessness, you always prove yourself faithful. That you always love us unconditionally. That your grace always abounds. God, is the, if there is anyone here, Lord, whose attention you have been calling and only today has decided to seek you, will you please move in our hearts and in our midst? And if you are that person this morning, would you just tell the Lord, Lord, I've sinned against you and I need to be saved. I want to turn away from my sin, Lord. And I want to turn to your son, Jesus Christ. God, this morning I open the door of my heart and I invite you to come in, Lord Jesus, to be my personal Savior and Lord. 
Will you help me to love you? Help me to pursue you. Help me to live a holy life. Friend, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, on the authority of the Bible, it says in 1 John, I want you to know that you have eternal life. If you're here this morning and you already have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and somehow, some way, your walk with Jesus has gone astray, will you just confess to Jesus that which has brought you away from him? And will you come back to him? He says, if you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. He is waiting for you. God, we just want to thank you for being so patient with us. So loving towards us, Lord God so gracious to us that you would love us and you would pursue us even if we constantly run away from you. God, will you remind us through the cross of Jesus Christ how much you really love us and that you only want the best for us, Lord God. God, we let you into our lives and we allow you, Lord God, to do the work that you have promised to do to conform us to the image and likeness of your son Jesus Christ in whose name we pray all of these things and everyone said Amen, Amen. Glory to God We have an opportunity to worship God through our giving so we have placed the offering box at the end there at the back so give us the Lord impresses upon your heart to give and just like to remind you that we have a sign-up sheet at the back for the april 23 bondage breaker and for our discussion questions this morning just two questions what is the idol in your life and why can why can you not get rid of it right so Break out into your own discussion groups and have a blessed Sunday, everyone.